Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And, of course, they have Junior Bergen T-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. Polaris Studio. Here is Ryan Tutel and Coulter Nuanez. Welcome to the jungle. We've got fun and games. We got everything you want, honey. We know the names. We are the people that can find whatever you may need. If you got the money, honey, we got your disease. You think Guns N' Roses is going to happen? Welcome to the jungle. Watch it bring you to your I almost said something that would have been very unpopular in the city of Missoula. Um, It's a simple yes or no. I don't. No? I don't. I think that concerts, unfortunately, as as being one of both of our favorite pastimes, I think those will be the the last things to come back. To return? I think you're probably right. I mean, it's very, there's very other, few other situations where, like, you and I would be physically touching for hours like we are when we're in the pit at an incubus concert. That is a fact. I mean, we've had some extended hugs, you and I, but probably not as long. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about like a little four-hour Pearl Jam. Yeah, right. Yeah. Rage yeah. session. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Tend to agree with you on that. It's 2 Tell Nuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. Uh, hour number two right now. If you missed anything in hour number one, go ahead and check it out on the podcast, the 2 Tell Nuanas podcast available wherever you get your podcast. You can listen all the time at your leisure. We appreciate that very much. It's available thanks to Blackfoot. Uh, speaking of the podcast, in addition to yesterday's show, uh, the unabridged version of the uh, Zoom press conference, which was had yesterday uh, with members of the media and athletic director of the University of Montana, Kent Haslam, and new interim head coach of the women's basketball team, Mike Petrino. It is up at the uh, – uh, podcast as well, so you can listen to that wherever you get your podcast. Also available at SkylineSportsMT.com. If you want to listen live, you can do so on the World Wide Web, 1029ESPN.com. You'll listen live there. 
all the time on the stream thanks to Opportunity Bank, your local bank, your opportunity. Uh, Coulter, we spent quite a bit of time yesterday talking about this. We wanted to spend some more time, though, because we didn't even get to all of the sound that we wanted to play for people uh, from the press conference yesterday. And again, just to go through the timeline on this thing, March 10th, the Lady Grizz lost to Northern Arizona in the Big Sky Conference Tournament. Uh, their season was actually over before everybody's season was over the following day um, or two days later, whatever it was. And f- uh, at that time, uh, Kent Haslam had a conversation uh, of some sort with uh, Coach Shannon Schwain saying that he was going to start putting together an extension for her and and basically ins- you know insinuating that she was going to be the coach going forward. Uh, and then over the course of the next three weeks, changed his mind about that. Uh, he said in the press conference we heard yesterday uh, that it was in relation to culture and roster uh, or the two sort of vague but things that he cited in terms of the, what, what he found or uncovered or whatever it was over the course of those three weeks led to his decision to not renew Shannon Schwein. He then uh, promoted... Uh, uh, so he, she was not renewed officially on either March 31st or April 1st. Um, and Mike Petrino was given the reins. And at that time, in the throes of Corona, uh, you know, and all of that, there was a hiring freeze that was placed on the entire state of Montana by the Board of Regents for, for you know, universities, uh, state universities. And that included, obviously, uh, the sporting departments as well which meant that there could be no nationwide search as such and a hire from the outside. And so Mike Petrino was promoted with the interim tag, which is a full year in duration, uh, which you don't see very often. But obviously this is a very unique circumstance where you know that would be the case. It certainly is. And also I think that I agree with your notion that we don't see that very often except for I don't really know the reasons why, but for whatever reason, that that precedent was set in the big sky this last year. There's multiple interim coaches that were interims for a year as basically a tryout, and both Zach Klaus at Idaho, Idaho. and Shane Burkhardt at Northern Arizona ended up earning the jobs. That's right. That's, that's right. And you can be in – I guess what I'm saying is being an interim coach for, for a season, certainly we've seen that. But you're talking about – a, a quote unquote hire. I mean, it is a hire, but it's 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 really a promotion. I guess is the way to say. Yes. It. Which is going to be a a calendar year in duration, essentially, and that you don't see very often. And that is the the you know as a result of of the wider or larger world global situation that we're in. Um, but. So all of that has happened, and then for three weeks, nothing from the University of Montana about this. Uh, you know, no, no, no release about about Coach Schwain, no release about Coach Petrino, no release about or, or, or certainly you know a uh, uh, conference, you know, call or Zoom or anything like that about any of this until yesterday when it kind of was all there to be had in one fell swoop. Um, we wanted, though, to, speaking of the interim tag, play a piece of audio for you from this regarding that interim tag, why it was placed on uh, Coach Petrino for the, the duration of this year rather than just being hired as the head coach and what that might mean. So here you go uh, a, uh, uh, from, from the conference call yesterday. It's Kent Haslam and Mike Petrino speaking about it. You know what? In reality, we're all interims. I mean, I'm a temp. Um, 
<laughs> I'm on a year to year contract. And, uh, but I understand that with that title of interim comes a bit of a, uh, temporary feel. Um, we will do a national search in the spring. It's just a better time to do one. Uh, and I also have great confidence in Mike. Uh, I've watched Mike now for, for almost four years, uh, interact in this department, uh, work with others, deal with others. And I have tremendous confidence in him. I have tremendous confidence in those assistant coaches. Um, but I, I do understand that. And we won't, we won't refer to him as the interim head coach or we'll refer to him as the head coach. He's our head coach. And he's, uh, he's been told to make decisions, uh, for the long-term success and make decisions as if he was leading this program, uh, for the rest of his career. So, um, but I, but I understand that and I understand it's going to get used, um, recruiting and I understand all those type of things. Um, but it wasn't all that long ago that we, we didn't have any multi-year contracts for coaches at the university of Montana. Mike, do you want to add anything more to that? I'll just say that, you know, I refer back to obviously greatest coach in the history of this university. I'll say coach Selvig, you know, he dealt with one-year contracts for a long time. And I know it's part of the thing I know will be used against us. I guess what I would say is uh, Jordan, Nate, Jason, myself, we're, we're not looking like at this, like uh, a substitute teacher who has a pre-written lesson plan. And we're just going to go there and monitor. We are looking at it as, we are a united staff. We are working on uh, evaluating our roster, building that roster, assessing what we have, making a plan, building a curriculum, and then ed and then executing that curriculum. So that curriculum for us has a vision of one year, two year, three years, okay, like any coach does, and that's the way we can handle it. So we're looking at it as we're taking over a, a classroom and we have a, a vision, both short-term and long-term, and that's what we're going to do. So there you go, Mike Petrino and Kent Haslam talking about this. Um, the reason a few points there just on what they said. First of all, yeah. unsolicited, they both brought up the disadvantages of the interim tag. I didn't really like that. It certainly will be used the Lady Grizz, used against the Lady Grizz in recruiting. But that I think undercuts the point that the Lady Grizz have every advantage that there is in recruiting in the Big Sky Conference. They have absolutely bar none the best facilities, the best tradition, the best investment, the best fan base. So <laughs> you're recruiting somebody that says, "Well, what, what's the deal with the interim?" You say, "Well, pick the school, pick the program. Don't pick me." I, I think that's what you sell in recruiting. I think yeah. you sell the program, and that's what you. What, that's what Robin Selvig even sold, even though he was one of the wingest coaches ever. Um, I also thought it was very interesting that Haslam did give his expression of confidence to Mike Petrino, but at no time during the 38-minute interview did he ever say that Mike will have a chance to earn this job. Right. A, and and here's the thing that that I don't I don't fully understand. It, first of all, he didn't. Ken Haslam did not answer the question of why was the interim tag placed on Mike Petrino. Right. The answer to the question, my understanding is uh, that. Placing the interim tag presupposes the national search that is to come, which he did reference. And there right. is no question there will be a national search. And as you said, maybe it was implied, but it was certainly never stated that Mike Petrino will be in, you know, have an opportunity at that time. And you would think that certainly everything that he does this year, he and the staff is going to be considered within the context of that when the time comes. But the other thing to me, though, is is. It feels so under you could you could absolutely 
give him a, a just a one-year contract. Here's a one-year contract, not but, an interim but, but you can't, head coach. But you can't with a hiring freeze, right? I mean, I don't know. Yes, I, you can't because because a contract would have to be drafted by, prepared, and approved by the Board of Regents. I mean, so he, has, hire, he has to have a new contract now. I mean, he has to. He has to have a new think, contract because their contract expired and because he is a head coach, not an assistant coach. I mean, it has to be sure, a new one. But I th- right. Right. I think that... You're right, because assistants are on year-to-year contracts, that just like the athletic director, just right. like everybody besides head coaches, the contracts, every every university employee, not just athletic administrators and coaches, are on year-to-year contracts. Right. The athletic department contracts, at least I know, expired July 31st. Mm-hmm. But I think that you just take his current contract and you just add a new title to it so it's not like a new hire. I don't necessarily know if you prepare a head coaching contract for him. I don't know, though. That's but a question, you, but that's a question I wish we would have just asked. make it for one year? I mean, that... That seems that seems likely. Well, anyway, Shannon Swain is coaching on a one-year contract, right? And so, I guess the point is to me is at the end of the day, clearly Kent Haslam is looking to a a much wider a national search for for a head coach. So, I want to ask you a question. I agree, and that feels like it undercuts Mike Petrino and this staff right here and right now. Exactly, and so yes. often an interim coach is because a program is in the in a state of disarray, or the firing is late or during the season. Like Jack Murphy at Northern Arizona, he jumped ship way late. He jumped yes. ship right before the season to go join the Arizona sh- coaching staff. So you got to get somebody in here who's at least familiar with what's going on. You go, hey, you're the interim coach. You here know we the go. players. Yep. Go. Yep. Right. Zach Klaus at Idaho, they fired Don Verland because of self-reported NCAA violations, which, you know, when you do the research into the documentation, amount to, like, almost nothing. I mean, you're talking about trainers practicing Man, with the so team. you are so bitter about this. Well, I just think that the <laughs> University of Idaho is just an unmitigated disaster, yeah. and one of the only things that they had that was even middle-of-the-road decent, I mean, they still got John Newley, and John Newley's my guy. I love John Newley. Yeah. But Don Verland was, I mean... In the modern era, it's going to be hard to win at University of Idaho. Don Verlin won more than he lost, barely, but he still won more than he lost. I just think that it's one of those situations where you're going to reap what you sow. All right, regardless, anyway. though, regardless, though, it's a completely different situation than this because Zach Klaus and, and Shane Burkhardt both took over programs that it was widely known were going to be rebuilding. They both were all in on that rebuild. And in Northern Arizona's case, they were actually better than they were under Jack Murphy with basically the same players because Shane Burkhardt just got everybody to play a little bit better together. Completely different states of the program and or expectations for the program, though. So my question for you, I agree it undercuts Petrino, but is there any scenario where Mike Petrino can can earn this job outright or is he going to have to then reapply and, and win this job during the coaching search next spring because you have to think that whether it's people that we've already talked about or just a variety of other people from around the country that this job is going to be an absolutely highly contested, coveted position. No question. I mean, the answer to that question can only be answered by one person. That's the athletic director. Right. I mean, that, that you know, it seems to me obvious enough that a guy who is going to be a head coach for, for a year has a whole lot of of evidence, good or bad, about whether he and his staff are capable of doing the job long term. And I would think that that would be taken into very clear and consider, uh, consideration when you talk about doing the the larger 
higher. And I guess that's the thing that surprises me about the way that this has been approached because, you know, whether whether it was a matter of absolute necessity from like a board of regents standpoint that the interim tag was placed on there, the consistent reference to we're going to do a national search in in a year from now presupposes that that Mike Petrino isn't going to be the coach in a year from now. And I'm not saying that's, that's going to be the case, but that is what it looks like from the outside. And so you can say all day, hey, man, we're, we're excited about having Mike Petrino here and we are confident in him and, and we look forward to him being the head coach, which, you know, is just run of the mill what you say every time you hire anyone for a position that requires a press conference, right? whether it's sports or otherwise. The fact of the matter is that the, the, the reality of this situation is it works in every way against Coach Petrino in this in in this scenario and the staff, and I don't. It doesn't feel like it is being bolstered at all by Kent Haslam in the position that he is in. To while he says the you know the things that you got to say in terms of support, the actions contravene that in many respects. And then you just actually look at the the cut and dry of what this is actually going to be about. And that's the product that Montana puts on the court. I think that there's three factors to analyze here. First of all, you're going to have a first year, first time head coach. Mm-hmm. There's no way. Collegi- to, first time at the collegiate, collegiate level, level yep, in yep. Mike Petrino. There's no way to predict how that will go. Mm-hmm. Secondly, though, you have a roster that is beyond shorthanded. They're going to have to go out and figure out how to fill in the spots here because you graduate Emma Stockholm, Mackenzie Johnson, and Taylor Goligoski. Those are all three rotation players. Mackenzie Johnson's case, a first-team All-Big Sky player that you lose. That hurts. Then you lose Jamie Pickens, your number one young player. You lose Gabby Harrington, who would have been a senior last year, would have been a great player for you too. This year, yeah. This upcoming year, right. 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 Kylie Frolich, I've actually heard, has pulled her name out of the transfer portal and might actually now return to Montana, so that actually at least gives them another body. But then you have Shelby and Jordan Schwain, who are both coming off red shirts because they were injured last year. Right. Are they ready to go health-wise or not? Or do they even stay? Because that's a precarious situation in itself. Your Certainly. mother is no longer the coach. What's your decision? We don't know. They're on the track roster now, so we at least know that there's an option for them to maybe go compete for their father, Brian Schwain. We have Carmen G. Feller, who's a big-time recruit coming out of Colfax, Washington, who also redshirted last year because of an injury. You have Sophia Stiles, who has gotten surgery and will be out probably at least the most of, if not all of the non-another surgery, surgery, and will be out for at least most of, if not all of, the non-conference next year. So that means your only returning player with any sort of experience that is healthy is Abby Anderson. You also have Maddie Schoening, who's been a starter when she's healthy the last three years. When she's healthy has been a huge question mark, Mm -hmm. though, because it's been 50-50. She missed most of last year. This year, when she was healthy, she could play, but... Yeah, you just don't you don't have anybody now. You you signed four in state girls, but I just don't really know how you make the transition from Class B or Class C and be ready to play in the Big Sky Conference, no matter how talented you are. Yeah. And then you talk about Kendall Keller, who's the Gatorade Player of the Year out of Haver. She's a nice player. I just don't know if she can be a. And I think she could become a really good Big Sky player. Mm-hmm. I just don't know if she could be that right away. So then it comes, and then you talk about just pure numbers. You only have even with all the signees and all the returners, you only have nine or ten on your roster. Period. Right. You have to find five more. So then, where do you, how do you go about doing? Well, that? and I will say, in the course of the conference yesterday, Mike Petrino did allude a number of times. He's like, I, I can't at this time talk about anybody specifically because you just can't do it. So I understand that. But he said, you know, I know what it looks like. Basically, what you've just outlined. And he said, but 
but you just got to trust me. It's it's much better than what you think. And so, uh, you know, I take him at his word on that. We certainly don't, you know, it's not as if they've just been hanging out for the last three weeks going, well, what are we going to do now? I mean, there's been right. a ton of work. And obviously, th- this is the positive part of the staff being retained is, uh, or one of the positive parts to me is, is all of the effort and the work that had been you know, the, the, the groundwork, digging the ditch, as it were, in terms of recruiting, whether it's transfers, and se- et cetera, you know, is, is it's certainly not intact because the head of that is no longer there in Shannon Schwain, but all the people who knew about that and were certainly part and parcel to that are still there and, you know, know what's going on and can try and push that in the, in the right direction. And at the end of the day, we will, we will find out sooner rather than later what the you know what the actual landscape of this team and this roster looks like come come later in this summer and certainly around the corner into fall. Mike Petrino made a comment where he said, you know, the one thing I've learned over 27 years of coaching, whether it's at the high school level or the Division One level, is that you got to know what you are and you got to know what you aren't. That to me, no matter if it's Mike Petrino or any other person on the planet that gets this job, I think that we've talked about this for seriously three straight years. The number one, I mean, Travis DeCure's famous line, your greatest strength is your greatest weakness, right? It's the same thing for programs. And the Lady Grizz, their greatest strength is the prestige and tradition that they've always operated with. Mm-hmm. And the, I was thinking about this last night. They have no coaching tree for the Lady Grizz. <laughs> they have no coaching tree. Because Robin Selvig, when he hired Shannon Schwain in 1993, he had the exact same staff for the next 25 years. Yeah. No one went anywhere. Right. And Annette Roslow and Trish Deuce got out of the right. business when Robin retired, and Shannon was Shuane was promoted. It's and not like there's been a head coach for ten years that was an assistant for eight for Robin Selvig that's just chomping at the bit right. to come back to right. Missoula. And so there's right. there's a couple gals. I mean, Katie Baker was a grad assistant for a little while. Yep. He's had a couple former Lady Grizz that were grad assistants that have gone elsewhere or whatever. But it's not as if it's not like the men's basketball program where you have all these tentacles. Throw a dart. I mean, there's all these guys that have gone all over the place and done all these things. Right. But I also think that. There was only ever one blueprint for Lady Grizz basketball. And for 35 years, it was unbelievably successful. For the last couple years of Robin Selvig, it wasn't that successful. Mm -hmm. And for all four years of Shannon Schwain, it wasn't that successful. Recruit in your little pocket. You're talking the North Dakota border to Spokane, Washington. Maybe down into Boise. That's it. That's all you're recruiting. It worked forever. I just don't know if that's the case anymore. I just don't know if you can do it. And so when Mike Petrino says you got to know what you are and what you're not, no matter if it's him or someone else, I just think that you can still use the pride and tradition and all the banners and all the wins and all that stuff. You can still use it as a recruiting tool. I just don't know if you can have the same blueprint on how to build it. Right. And he did, he also talked about, look, it is different now because all these AAU teams, you, you see a lot of kids going – from different places and you see a lot of kids in Montana or regionally going different places and so he 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 alluded to exactly what you're talking about that it isn't the same now as it was 10 years ago even and certainly before that my press seat for Lady Grizz games is Mm -hmm. right next to Chris Redpath who was a great player for the Lady Grizz and now works in the media she does a lot of color commentary for the Big Sky Conference as well as SWX calling Lady Grizz games calling Big Sky basketball of course her and I were talking about just the brilliance that was Robin Selvig in terms of he's like he's like a Bill Belichick in this one factor. He looks at you and he doesn't think about all the things you can't do. He only thinks about what you can do. Mm. And he says, I'm going to do we're, we're going to use you like this. Right. And I was thinking the relation of Mackenzie Johnston. If Mackenzie Johnson, Mackenzie Johnson finished her career 
Seventh all-time in school history in scoring. Fourth all-time in school history in assists. Great individual numbers. She was a first-team All-League player as a senior. Great endurance, great leader, great Fantastic. great gal. I mean, we we loved Mackenzie. She was yep. awesome to cover. She was always so gracious. If she would have played for Robin Selvig, she would have had an equally outstanding and memorable career in a completely different fashion. With uh, with with sixty five percent of the numbers that she accrued. Exactly. Right. Mackenzie Johnson needed to be like a Tory Hill or a Brooklyn Lorenzen, where she's just a pass first, pass second point guard who just dogs you to death on defense and. You know, she's the facilitator. She's the general. She developed that great little pull-up jump shot that scored her a bunch of points. But what do those points mean when you don't ever finish over 500 except for in your senior year? That's irregardless. But all I'm saying is that Selvig was so good at taking that Montana girl who could do just a few things and making her play way above her head because of what it meant to be a Lady Grizz. Right. I don't know if you can do that anymore, but that doesn't mean you can't accelerate the program. I still think if you recruited in a completely different way and you recruited not as a developmental program that wants to bring in girls from small-town Montana, but you recruited as a regional mid-major power, use the recruiting budget. Go find slick players like Darian White from Boise. Why not? Totally. You know, And just use the prestige of the program and just bring people to campus, roll the dice, and do it like Jeff Choate's doing right now. Just swing swing for the fences with a bunch of talented kids. Get them on campus in Bozeman. Get them on campus in Missoula. See if they bite. It's 2 Tell Nuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio. We got a little more sound we want to play for you, but we're up against the break. So we'll take that break. We'll come back. We'll finish off with that. We will also get into the NFL draft from a Big Sky Conference perspective. Who do we think is the best chance of being called on Saturday? We'll tell you after this. At Blackfoot, we're experts at keeping customers and communities connected online. In fact, we executed our own business continuity plan, quickly mobilizing to keep our communities online with the service and experience they need. You need to stay connected, too, and we can help. From home internet to remote workforce deployments, contact Blackfoot to learn how we can help you stay connected today and in the future. Call 866-541-5000 or visit goblackfoot.com slash remote workforce to learn more. When we kissed goodbye and part I knew we'd never meet again Sometimes I think about the, the team in the NFL, and I love the NFL. So I watch you know a lot of NFL, and I keep up on it and all that. Uh, personally and professionally, you might say. But I think about which team, which franchise in the league occupies the smallest percentage of the pie piece in my head, you know, the least, <laughs> like, it's the least consequential to my psyche. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Who is it? It, it? it probably isn't right at this moment, but it might be Cincinnati. Hmm. It might be the Bengals. It's, it's, not, it's not about like or dislike. It's not about, it's, it's just about a team that I'm just like, oh, right, they still play football. And sit. Like every time I watch a game that's in Cincinnati, which is rare because you rarely see them, yeah. you're like, oh, they're still kind of doing that weird jungle wall thing. And it doesn't quite look like, it's sort of like a stadium that isn't dilapidated, but also is clearly not new. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like if, if this was your house, you would have to upgrade the kitchen before you sold it kind of deal. That's what I feel about Cincinnati. Now, with Joe Burrow being there, Colt Anderson being there, now we have a higher, you know, level of 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 intrigue and interest in Cincinnati. But they're certainly one of the teams last 15, 20 years that have been like, right, they're they're still a professional football team there. We've reached the point with the media where we analyze beyond just coaches and players, we analyze 
GMs now a little bit, contracts, salary caps, things like that. But we still haven't gotten into, and this is fascinating that it hasn't really really taken hold yet, is the the pure analysis of the, the stability and the way an organization is run and the way these organizations mm-hmm. are run. Ryan Rosillo dropped a fascinating tidbit on his podcast the other day. He said, there's one thing that people don't realize. There is no maximum for scouting departments in the NFL. But what a lot of people don't realize is teams like the the Ravens and the Patriots and the 49ers who are so well regarded for drafting so well, they employ 45, 50, 55 scouts that go to, to games across the country every single weekend, and they're just scouting all levels of college football all the time. The Cincinnati Bengals have eight. Right. They have eight scouts. And you just wonder why they can't ever catch traction. Right. And then I got to thinking about how to purchase an NFL team this day and age is so unbelievably expensive, right? To be able to just buy one, it's it's just infeasible. <laughs> yes. So there's so many teams that have been passed down through families. Mm. And I really think that the this mysterious erosion of the New York Giants really doesn't, it's not that mysterious. The old man Rooney died. Everybody he passed it on to in his family, they can't do it. Mara. Mara, sorry, Mara died. But you look at Pittsburgh too, right? I mean, Pittsburgh hasn't been the same since the old man Rooney died, yeah. right? And then you look at Cincinnati. When Paul Brown was the, the owner, operator, general manager, everything, mm-hmm. the, the Bengals were pretty good. Since he passed it on, they've been at best okay, but mostly just the worst thing you can be in a salary cap pro sport, and that is just stuck in the middle. Yeah, the other thing too that I think that we just – it's for, for me being, you know, a born and bred Montanan. Okay, I I feel like, but having now lived in you know other places around the country, Seattle and Michigan, and so on. One thing that I think people who are who are born and live in rural America, when who who love sports, you just can't imagine the excitement surrounding a. Like, like we can, we have the excitement, I guess is how I should say it, of surrounding a professional sporting event, owning a, a professional thing. You think about owning the Bengals. How unbelievably awesome was that? If I was the Knicks owner, this would go so much better. It would be great. It would be unbelievable. But if you grow up in it, the level of excitement about it just isn't the same. I mean, it's just like you know, you you just expect it. You're used to it. It's sure. not it's not weird to walk around and go, oh, there's Vontez Perfect. Of course there is. That's sure. where I work. It's where my dad works. It's his place of business. It's 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 the thing that just sort of happens. And even for fans, sure. they get really excited about it. But they, of course, I'm going to the game on Sunday. I live four blocks from the stadium. Like this is the way it goes. Right. And and people can't. I don't think appreciate. I, I don't want to call it the mundane nature of it, but it's it is the the sort of work and maybe it's important at a certain level, but not like it. It's not the level of, oh, my gosh, this is the greatest thing in the world. It might be a certain anchor around the neck for a lot of people. And Jerry Jones and Mark Cuban and Steve Ballmer are are the minority, not the majority right. when it comes to super engaged owners that are just like Steve Ballmer's like, whatever, open the checkbook. We, we're trying to win. We'll buy the forum. Let's That's go. It. That's it. Yeah. Open it up. I mean, Do- when I listen to that Donald Sterling podcast that Ramona Shelburne did about mm-hmm. the rise and fall yes. of Donald yes. Sterling, 
Donald Sterling had the single worst record over the if you took every year he owned the Clippers, something like 32 years or whatever. Yeah. Cumulatively the worst record in the NBA. No question. Everybody knows. Clippers were a dumpster fire, they were a joke. They made the second most profits in the NBA over that time. Yeah. Without ever selling out the arena. Sure. Because if you just run it like a business, you can make it into a very profitable business. They're all going to be profitable businesses because of the TV sharing and stuff like that. Right. But that's one thing that just maybe gets slipped. I mean, we're watching we're watching this right now in the last dance, right? Jerry Reinsdorf and Jerry Krause are saying, we, we need to cut costs so we can make higher profit margins. When you got a team with freaking Michael Jordan on right, it, right. you know? But I, I think that the it's never sold to the fans like that, but I think a lot of times it escapes us that oftentimes the owners are winning is way down the list of business operations. How many owners in the NFL could you name right now? Well, I could name the most annoying in Jerry Jones. <laughs> I could name the worst in Daniel Snyder. Um, I mean, I believe the Rooney family and the Mara family still own yep, the right. Giants and the Steelers, respectively. Right. Paul Brown still I mean, owns the Bengals. It, but maybe, maybe 10, maybe Paul 8 Paul Allen to 10. still owns the Seahawks, well, right? Paul Allen passed away, right? right. So, but, but his sister owns right. has the majority interest, so it's, it's still... Uh, you know, in in the Allen Trust, I guess you. I could mean, say. to finish this exact point, though, people that don't understand the downfalls of nepotism, especially in sports, pro sports is the greatest example of why it doesn't work. Because almost every single kid that has inherited a pro sports team from their parent has not done even close to it as well. I mean, yeah. look at the the disaster that Dr. Jerry Buss's family made the Lakers into right I mean it's just a it's crazy that they could crush but something I, I so guess quickly. my point is here we are doing this thing and like we know you know I guess I could say a fair amount about professional sports about the NFL etc I, I could probably get out to a quarter maybe 30 maybe a third sure. of the owners like by name mm-hmm. I had no idea who owns you know well I actually do know who owns the Colts but who owns you know I don't know the Lions, okay, it's the Ford or whatever it is. Sure. Like I know the I know the gal's face if I think about the franchise. Yep. But you know, I don't I don't know this stuff. And and when you go at the end of the day, like it's so important who like who that person is and what they're into. And the guy who owns the Bengals, whose name escapes me, I just don't know like Mike Brown, right? Paul Brown's son. Mm, I gotta look. I gotta look. But anyways, you know, it's an interesting analysis. Well, I think anyways. that's why if you're a GM, when it has a, you have a night like tonight, you're just shaking in your boots because the people that own these organizations are not the ones whose jobs are on the line. Of course. Right? I mean, if you just go out and say you figure out you're the GM of the Miami Dolphins and you figure out a way to navigate a trade so you land to a Tonga Vailoa, and then he's his hip is a wreck and he sucks, you're out. You're that's out. Right. You're fired. That's it. Yeah, I mean it's 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 a high risk proposition what you're into right now. The thing too though, Coulter, is I think that the draft so much is made about drafting well. Mm-hmm. Certainly understand that, and there's that's that's very real. Okay, but also there's so many players, man, that if they would have been drafted by the Patriots, would have looked like great draft picks, and if they're it's drafted so by the Browns, they just stink. And you that, know, and that was and, the point I was trying to make last segment yeah. when we were doing, talking about the Lady Grizz is. I th- I'm convinced that Robin Silva could turn almost anybody into a good player. Right. But maybe that's not the style of your program. It's exactly like you're saying. There's all, all sorts of guys that And so then, then the GM is out because he didn't pick the right guy. Well, yeah, he did. But you haven't hired the right coaches or you don't have the right system in place or whatever. whatever. I mean, there's a, so many moving parts. You don't have the right strength coach. I don't know. Ricky Williams doesn't get drafted by the Saints, right? He doesn't have to play for Mike Ditka and pile up 400 touches back-to-back years, and he doesn't go get traded to the Dolphins and just get run and ground into dust. Say he gets into a completely different situation. Say he gets drafted by the Patriots. 
completely different. First bout Hall of Famer. Right. I mean, but instead he had back to back situations where it just didn't work out for him. Right. And and so I mean that's that's the thing is is you're like, well, how how could you have picked? And there's certainly players who you go, well, that that's just obviously a t- Johnny Manziel is a bad pick because you have to know the things that are true about him as a person in addition <laughs> right. to and I you won't find a bigger this for you Tommy Johnny Manziel segment you won't find a bigger Johnny Manziel a Johnny Manziel fan than me in terms of the player at Texas A&M and all the things and he he could have been and should have been an, whether he was great or not an electric a can't miss watch NFL quarterback and but was but that was never in the cards because of who he was and you know what a 31 organizations knew that right and Cleveland, I think Cleveland knew it at the end of the day, but but felt compelled or whatever to bring the kid, you know, uh, you know, back to Ohio or whatever. It's, I mean, I, I don't know. It's the Dalvin Cook story, right? I mean, Dalvin Cook was was the dude, the the guy, all the way from high school through Florida State. But coming out of Florida State, everybody's weary because he had this rap sheet a mile long from when he was a juvenile. But the the Vikings sat him down and took him through every single arrest, and he. Told them I mean, he 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 hadn't got arrested since he was fourteen. So all of his arrests were when he was a kid, a child. Yeah, a decade ago. And he said, "Man, I didn't have any parents. I I I was stealing food because I had to be able to eat." And so they gave him some leeway, and then he goes and moves to Minnesota, and he moves there without any of his bad influence friends, just all by himself, living in an apartment. Look at him now; he's all pro. So yeah. sometimes yeah. you can navigate it based on situation. Stu Telenuanas, 102.9 ESPN Radio. The NFL draft is forthcoming. Again, if you're just joining us, it's worth noting that uh, officially, according to Adam Schefter, the Cincinnati Bengals are going are taking Joe Burrow number one overall. Uh, and no surprise there, but I guess the officialness, the official nature of that is uh, the thing that we are uh, used to. Is Tommy around? Is he hanging out? Oh, yeah, he is. Okay, good. Sorry, Tom. <laughs> you know, we have this glass, which was the idea to be able to see back there, but I just can't, uh, you know, it's dark back there. Tommy still wants to be in, in you know, the bat cave, as it were. Uh, we didn't get to the sound here. We may get to it tomorrow. Uh, the continuing, you know, story of, of, of the Lady Grizz and the situation that they are now in uh, is going to last, well, you know, this full year and beyond, certainly. So we have time to talk about that. But we will get to what is pressing, and that is the NFL draft in particular regarding Big Sky Conference players and, uh, and guys who we think have the best chance of making it in the league right after this. At Blackfoot, we're experts at keeping customers and communities connected online. In fact, we executed our own business continuity plan, quickly mobilizing to keep our communities online with the service and experience they need. You need to stay connected, too, and we can help. From home internet to remote workforce deployments, contact Blackfoot to learn how we can help you stay connected today and in the future. Call 866-541-5000 or visit goblackfoot.com slash remote workforce to learn more. NFL Draft coming up at the top of the hour. We will have it for you right here on ESPN Radio. Happy to bring it to you. To tell Nuanas, 102.9 ESPN Radio across the state on SWX television as well. Great to be with all of you. If you missed anything in the show or any other show, 
and listen on the podcast. The podcast available wherever you get your podcasts. Just search Detail and Nuanas, rate, review, subscribe. Then you don't have to search it out. You can listen to this podcast whenever you would like to. Thanks to Blackfoot. Appreciate them for doing that. 329-1899 used to be our phone number. Nice. But now... Our phone number is 361-3688. And when you listen to that podcast, folks, listen closely because there is a strong connection with Alexa and a myriad of artists. Mm. Not just the ones which were the topics of our previous podcasts and shows. Can you ask Alexa for the Two Tell New Ones podcast, Tommy? Mm, not sure. I would think so. You can ask her for anything, right? Did you build that uh, code and send that over to the developer store, or is that something? Uh, I sure did. I, it was, I believe, it was one zero zero one 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 was the code. They're all ones and zeros. It's just the order uh, is what I've been told. So that's the code that I sent. I think that will work. I think that's the code for one shining moment. Do do not even bring that in here. We didn't even have a tournament, and you're going to bring up the worst part of the tournament to me. Got to prepare you for the reality that lies ahead, man. I'm. Uh, this put me in a very sour mood in this last segment. One shining moment. What a what a horrendous, horrendous song. It's two telling the one is. Uh, by the way, three six one three six eight eight. All guests join us via the Rangish Brothers RV phone line. Coulter. Yes, sir. You have a list of dudes. Uh, yeah. that played in the Big Sky Conference, outstanding players, outstanding careers at the Big Sky Conference level, Yep, the FCS level. And all of them have aspirations of being in the NFL. Obviously, Dante Olsen is already in the CFL. Uh, excuse is? me, Dante. Uh, Dalton Sneed. Dalton Sneed, my mistake. Dalton Sneed is already. I was already, like, yeah, whoa. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, yeah. Breaking news. Jeez. Um, Dalton Sneed, the other, the other D man uh is in the uh, cfl but uh dante olson josh sandry jesse sims cy sermon out of montana among others Braden conkle kevin cassis bryce sterk mitch brock among others in montana state all from the montana schools mm-hmm. guys with uh, aspiring professional football uh uh careers yep. uh, or hopes and and who knows what happens over the weekend but then there's a list of guys also uh zach larson jonah williams specifically from uh uh south Southern Utah and Weber State, respectively, that are also certainly on draft radars out there and NFL teams' radars. When you look around the Big Sky Conference and in the state of Montana, what do you see for this weekend? Well, I think there's actually quite a few guys that will get a call uh, as of Saturday afternoon, evening. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do think that uh, I think that Dante Olson, Josh Sandry, Jesse Sims, Cy Sermon, and Jerry Lou McGee will all get into camps. Whatever camps mean, that's a little bit precarious at this moment. You can have moment. rookie camp, which is right. something if that happens at all. Sure. And if there's not OTAs, yeah, what's that But I, I just like? think that right. those guys will be brought in uh, to be given a second look. Mm-hmm. From Montana State, I think Braden Conkle, Kevin Cassis, Bryce Sterk, and Mitch Brott will be brought in. I think that the only guys that have any sort of real possibility of getting drafted are Dante Olson and Bryce Sterk out of, the, out of Montana, out of the state of Montana, that is. But I do think that almost every – I think that all – I'm pretty confident that those nine guys will get calls. I just, mm-hmm. I, And then it's all up to them. Do they earn it? I do think that Dante Olson has an inside track at, at earning an NFL roster spot. I think that Mitch Brott, if he performs well, could get there. And I think Bryce Sturt could get there. Everybody else, we'll see. But you never know. You never know how, how it works out and how you transition and all that. 
But I think that out of Big Sky guys, I think that Zach Larson from Southern Utah and Jonah Williams from Weber State will both get drafted. Okay. I think that Zach Larson is absolutely going to get drafted. Uh, I think he's one of the top centers in the draft. The other uh, guys from the Big Sky, I think that are surefire NFL guys. I think Jacob Nipp will get into a – I shouldn't say surefire because no one from the Big Sky is a surefire NFL guy. But I'm talking about just getting a call from an NFL team, getting a chance to prove yourself. Yeah. I think Jacob Nipp from Northern Colorado has had the arm hype for long enough, and he's been a starter for long enough that I think he'll get into a camp just to be a camp arm at the very least. We'll see then how he performs when he gets there. Kyle Slaughter played his way out on an active roster out of coming out of Northern Colorado despite having hardly any success there. Well, and I think the one guy who's got – Who's going to be all day? I think is going to be drafted. It's Charlie touchdowns out of Portland State. Yeah, Charlie Charlie Yeah, 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 good tight end out of Portland State is is absolutely one of the top prospects, although not one of the top producers at the position uh, in, in in you know in his college days. But uh, he's as you say, that's what they look like, and and he's and that's not just us saying it. That sure. is that is scouts and people you know scuttle around professional football talking well, about well and charlie t though his it's his physical makeup because when you look at what he's actually listed at i mean at the combine he came in at 6'3 245 so that's no no sort of freak show tight end size the reason he has freakish athletic ability is because he's not going to play a traditional tight end in the league he's going to play like the wing h-back style tight end mm-hmm. sometimes put his hand in the ground as a lead blocker move in motion across the formation pre-snap be able to run seam routes out of the slot he runs well enough, he's explosive enough, and he's sure-handed enough to do that. And then we always talk about body composition. There's a lot of different ways you can look when you're 6'3", 245. He looks the way that NFL scouts want you to look. Does it matter that a guy like Julius Thomas came from the school at the position where you go? You know, mm. everybody talks about, you know, I don't know, was Penn so State ago. linebackers or something like that. Yeah. It is certainly not that sort of lineage, obviously. Well, it, it, I think but, th- I think it does matter if there's a continuity in coaching. In other words, like if you have a Ty Gregorak who's coaching linebackers at Montana and he's been there for multiple coaches and he's turned multiple guys into NFL-ready linebackers, right. that matters. The fact that Julius Thomas, I mean, we're getting old. Julius Thomas was 20 years ago. In Portland State, there's not even a, a, a whisper. No, he was not 28 years ago. No. I'm pretty sure Julius Thomas, I bet you he was a senior at Portland State 2004, 2005. No chance. Zero chance. You're way off on this. <laughs> I love when you argue things with the I mean, only person you know that would know. I know, but <laughs> I, 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 you're right. You're Julius wrong. Thomas was a senior in 2009. Okay. He was playing football with Peyton Manning in Denver. Yes, that was still two coaching staffs ago. Though. I understand it, but it was it was only it was and only also, five or seven years ago. He's also an anomaly, though, in terms of like he's not a Portland State football player. He's a Portland State basketball That's player right. who they played football for a year. Yeah, regardless, I think that there's validity to what you're trying to ask in certain elements, and then there's not in other elements. It yeah. depends on the stability of the program. The other guy that I think is going to get into a camp, but I'm so interested to see how he performs, is George, George Obina. George, big George. I, I think that I think Obina is absolutely an elite pass rusher. He, he, has, he has the ability to put his hand in the dirt and pass rush against anybody. It, it, I think that he could be a situational pass rusher in the league right now. I don't think he can do anything else at an NFL level. Right. And when you talk about body composition, the guy is so lean that he doesn't have the mass that you need to play on the edge for 
four downs in the mm-hmm. NFL, even though he's absolutely the buffest, scariest guy you'll ever right. see. But you're not going to set the edge in the run game or something like that or something right. around the corner if you're George Obina against, you know, Anybody. any offensive tackle in the league. Right. right. I mean, I interviewed George Obina after the Montana State game this last year, and, I mean, he's only about an inch tall. I mean, he's only about 6'2", six, 6'2 two, six, two and a half, mm-hmm. 240. I mean, the leanest muscle you've ever seen. Right. But mass is mass, right? That's right. And, and I just I, I think that if he got a chance from a team to just do what he does best, he could definitely make a team. I just don't know if anybody's going to give him a chance because he is so one-dimensional. Boys and girls, it is time. The first actual sporting thing that's happened in quite a while, the NFL draft right now on ESPN Radio. Joe Burrow going to the Cincinnati Bengals. We'll see what Washington does it too. Enjoy it. We'll see you tomorrow. Analyze all of it. Good night. In the double R with a double cup. Yeah, double park at the W. I'm from the south side, gonna throw it up. Been around lane, niggas give me phobia. Every verse I do need a coroner. They say I'm heavy handed when I'm pouring. Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now. If you visit msubookstore.org, free regalia. When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org.